Grab your popcorn and snacks. Find a comfy spot, take a seat or lie down, and let me transport you to a place of fantasy, ghost stories, ancient legends, odd creatures, alien encounters, and other magical topics. You may even decide to join the conversation. From faraway lands to your own backyard, with a small dash of pixie dust, turn out the lights and open your minds. The journey is about to begin. Welcome, good evening, good evening, good night, wherever you are. How is everybody tonight? I hope you're doing all right. I'm doing okay. It's been windy, really windy. In fact, I I overslept uh, this morning, and when I woke up, man, everything was just blowing all over the place. In fact, the power at one point had blinked on and off. So, we, and it must the wind must have hit hard because a bunch of car alarms were going off down the street. So, uh, yeah. So I didn't think it was going to be that windy today, but it did. It really whipped things up here. Anyway, I want to welcome you all to California Haunts Radio. Uh, my name is Charlotte. I'm your host for the next hour or so. we got a great guest tonight. We're going to learn about the Dogman and maybe talk about Bigfoot and some other cryptids. So I'm really excited about that. Um, you know, you can find my team, because I, I do want a paranormal team here in Sacramento. You can find that team at www.californiahaunts.org. And uh, we're a nonprofit, so if you have something going on in your home and you want us to find out what it is, we'll come out for free and take a look around and uh, see what it might be. It might be a ghost. It could be plumbing it could be banging in the wall you know piping or whatever but uh we'll we'll narrow it down and find out what's causing the issue okay uh you can be uh see the, the <laughs> it's one of those days already you can see the california haunts radio website at californiahauntsradio.com and go on that website you can there's some uh paranormal news on there as well as seeing all of our uh shows for the last year and a half are on there and in addition when you click on extras or whatever that is at the top there, which I can't remember offhand, because I have a brain fart going on, uh, you'll be able to go back to, through our archives all the way back to our Blog Talk radio days, which we were on Blog Talk for about 15 years before switching to this format. Anyhow, what do you do on February 19th and 20th? I know what I'm doing. I'm going to be at the Mystical Minds Convention in San Jose as a speaker. I got invited. My first my first speaking gig. Other, you know, Other than my own conferences, it'll be my first speaking gig. So I'm really excited about that. But it's not just me. The Mystical Minds covers paranormal, metaphysical, and pagan topics. Isn't that cool? And so there's other speakers that are going to be there. Nasir Mohammed Chohan, Lorian Fenton, Brad Olson, Michael Fury, Drake Fury, Tiffany Turner, Robin Korak, Beth Seliman, and Shannon Del Florentino are going to be there. So if you want to get information on that conference, it's a two-day conference. Again, it's February 19th to 20th in San Jose, mysticalmindsconvention.com. So check that site out. Okay, cool. The other thing I want to announce, let me move this over here. See that I even have notes now, like, like, a, like a real DJ. The other, thing, <laughs> the other thing I want to talk about is I'm going to be teaching a class on February 12th at 2 p.m. And it's going to be via Zoom. But, you know, everybody's been asking me about protection techniques you know how, how they can protect themselves when they're in haunted locations or maybe they've got it they got what they think is activity going on in their homes well i'm going to be teaching you guys how to how to do that and i'm going to be teaching you about sage and and crystals and the, and the whole shebang so if you guys are interested in that uh visit the uh radio website get you know go under extras and it's it's listed there under events okay so that's where you check it out that, that would be california radio Jeez, CaliforniaHauntsRadio.com. I'm way ahead of myself. I see Jerry and Maurice are with us, and we have a few others that are listening in. I'm really excited. Tonight's guest, again, I am a cryptid 
person. You know, I uh, grew up in Northern California. I grew up fishing and camping in Northern California. So the stories are tremendous about Sasquatch. In fact, my family had purchased a house up in, way up north, almost to the Oregon border in Montague, California. And it was only about, probably I would say a good hour drive up to Happy Camp, which is, which is Bigfoot country, right? So we, we were up, we used to drive a lot up there and I used to laugh because, uh, you know, the Bigfoot investigators were up there. There was one guy up there and I don't know, remember the guy's name, but he had a, a green and yellow SUV and the SUV was green and he had Bigfoot on the side, you know, written big, big on the side. And they also have the booths, you know, where you can look at, look at the cast, the footprints and everything. So we used to spend a lot of time up there. And then I used to laugh and tell my mom and dad when I was up there, don't tell them I'm a paranormal investigator because I don't want to go traipsing through the woods at night, you know? So anyway, so I, I have an, an affinity for cryptids and looking and looking into cryptids. So I'm really excited to talk to our guest, D.A. Roberts, who actually is a is a cryptozoologist. Okay, so I'm really excited. So without further ado, I'm going to bring our guest in and let, let's get this show going so we can talk about dogmen because I've had a lot of requests from our listeners uh, to have a show about the dogmen and we haven't had a chance to. So this is our first opportunity. Okay, here we go. Good evening. evening. How's it going? Good. How are you? Oh, not too bad. Trying to stay warm. I hear that. I didn't realize the winds were going to be so bad today, but man, when I woke up, everything was just whipping all over. Yeah, we've got a, we're under a winter weather advisory. We're supposed to get a foot to 18 inches of snow over the next couple of days. Dang, I think it's cold here. I'm not going to tell you the temperature here because, you know, my, my father would say, because he, he grew up in Ohio, he'd laugh and go, you guys are freezing. This is t-shirt weather. <laughs> no kidding. <laughs> you know? But uh, I understand. I, I saw those reports, so I, I don't envy you guys. You know, stuck with all that. But it's be. I mean, once it lands, like like the first two, like my dad who lived in Cleveland. You know, he laughed because he we go up to Tahoe and he look at the snow and go, you know what? This is this is the first day snow. He says this is beautiful. He says, but after a day or so, it's going to look like Cleveland snow. And I said, what do you mean? He said because it's all going to turn black from all the cars. It's Cleveland snow. Pretty much. And so yeah. And so I envy you the first couple of days of the snowfall. <laughs> it'll be so beautiful well my backyard will always look good but uh until it melts but right. the, the, the front of the house is going to look just like that all the, all the yeah. road salt and everything yeah oh yeah oh yeah so tell me about yourself sir uh well i spent most of my adult life as a as in law enforcement uh both as a deputy sheriff and uh, and a city cop um i'm re i'm retired now due to a back injury uh, but uh, I've, I've been looking into cryptids and investigating cryptids, specifically Bigfoot, for the most part, since the mid-70s when I first got interested in the subject. Um, I, I've investigated, you know, Bigfoot. I've, I've looked into Dogman. In fact, I spent a week in LBL back in July of last year, and uh, we, we just, I, I really enjoy it. I've, I've spent hours and hours and hours traipsing through the woods, both day and night. Uh, and and many more hours talking to people who've had both daylight and nighttime sightings. Fascinating. Tell me about Dogman. I mean, I, I I hear little things about it. I've never really looked into Dogman. Well, uh, my Dogman fascination really developed about 15 years ago when I first heard the LBL story. Uh, and uh, I've kind of gotten into the subject. I'm a I'm a writer, so I I write I write I write fiction. I have I don't write sure. uh, like a 
you know, field guides to dogmen or field guides right, to Bigfoot. Right, right. Although I've looked into doing that, I just haven't done it yet. Uh, but my, my love is, is primarily horror. Uh, so I, I use a lot of the, the encounters that I've been told to base the behaviors of the creatures in the book. So I write a lot of cryptid based horror. Uh, mm-hmm. But uh, I, I started getting into investigating dogman and really uh, kind of digging into local legends. Like you, you can find a lot of places like there's a place in, in uh, Kentucky called Werewolf Springs. Uh, and there's a reason for that because they had they've cited many creatures that 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 look like dogmen, uh, you know. And I think a lot of the European werewolf lore is just just misidentified dogmen. Uh, but my research in that field kind of led me to the North American Dogman Project, and now I'm the Midwest director for the North American Dogman Project. Wow, what is the difference between a werewolf and a dogman? Well, I think that. Um, Based on folklore, they 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 think that uh, the werewolf can actually transition to and from human, uh, mm-hmm. but I think that might be a, mis- a case of misidentification, uh, because the phenomenon that's, that's known as dogman is called cynocephali, and that dates back centuries. Both Christopher Columbus and Marco Polo claimed they saw dog-headed creatures during their journeys. Um, Saint Michael is depicted in a lot of Christian, a lot of Christian and Catholic texts as having the head of the dog. He's known a head of a dog. He's known as the dog-headed saint. Of course, mm-hmm. you've got uh, ancient Egyptians that uh, relayed numerous types of of, of a- animal type headed de- uh, deities, including Anubis, which had the head of a dog or a jackal. Uh, so the, the the case for cynocephali goes back centuries. Uh, even in the Bible, they had uh, the lion men of Judah, and, and they talked about you know about different types of, of anthropomorphic animal type people. Um, so the lore goes back you know many many centuries, mm-hmm. uh, and even in the case of like the LBL region, land between the lakes in Kentucky, mm-hmm. uh, that place is no is kind of infamous for its dogman sightings. But those sightings go back way before it was land between the lakes, back when before the Tennessee Valley Authority created built those two dams on along those rivers to create those lakes. It was known as the land between the rivers and sightings in that area. The first recorded one that I've been able to find dates back to French trappers in the 1600s. So dogman, dogman type creatures have been seen for a very long time. It's not a new phenomenon. My question with this is, and I'm thinking about that, you know, the, 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 the sideshows from, from the circuses back, back in the mm-hmm. old days used to have those, those dog, you know, the, 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 those boys with, with the long dog fur. I yeah. mean, something that, I mean, well, you, I guess you wouldn't know, but I'm just saying maybe that is something related to these dogmen, too. Maybe, maybe there's a group of people that, that were like that, and, and they were fruitful and multiplied, and they're still out, out there. But it's entirely possible. I mean, you know, there's still mysteries we're finding all the time. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, science, scientists are identifying new species of animals, you know, daily. Most of the time it's an insect, but every once in a while we right. find something big. Uh, right. They found new species of, of large deer. Um, back in the early 2000s, they were able to successfully identify what's called what's known as the billy ape uh b-i-l-i it's the billy region of of the varunga in in the congo and uh they it was the killer ape theory everybody would you know like in, in the michael crichton novel uh congo he actually played on the killer ape theory and uh scientists that would go study that area looking at the mountain gorillas uh would hear all these tales from the natives they were like there's a there's a there's a gray type ape that's it's a killer watch out for it because we 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 call them the lion hunters 
the locals had known about them for years, and Western science is like, oh, no, no, that could, no, no, that doesn't exist. Until back around the year 2000, 2001, somewhere in that area, uh, mm -hmm. when a, a photographer from National Geographic caught them on camera. Uh, they're, they, they're, their closest relate, living relation is the eastern lowland chimp. Um, they look more like a chimp than a gorilla, but they're closer to the size of a gorilla. They're about six feet tall, and they're extremely aggressive. Uh, so we, we, we find stuff, we find new stuff all the time. Oh, and the billy ape primarily spends most of its time walking upright, uh, which you know, if you find a, a large upright walking chimp in areas where we claimed that never existed before, it lends a lot of credence to a large upright, uh, upright walking primates in the North American woods. See, that's what makes me wonder, like you say about a lot of these reports, even the Bigfoot reports as well. I mean, some people think they're alien, you know, they're, they're, they're alien. I used to be on the thing, you know, where um, I used to think, well, maybe, you know, the aliens were doing all these experiments on us, and maybe this was, they took something too far, and this is what resulted. But, you know, more and more I'm starting to think that I'm not, I don't, I don't know if it's a missing link or what it is, but I mean, it, it's something it's something like that it's, it's a new species mm -hmm. uh, it's either a new species of human or it's a new species of, of ape well, all, all along humans human evolution um you can actually you know look at the scientific scientific volumes on on, on how they they mapped our progress as a species mm -hmm. and at one point we diverged from from gorillas we were along we were along the same same line uh, line as apes mm -hmm. and they diverged uh, at some point during our evolution well, there are other things that deviated along the way. And in most cases, they died out. But what's to say some of them didn't? Right, right, right. And there's so much there's so much wilderness out there yet. Mm -hmm. You know, there's the part, like like my sister in Fort Bragg will tell you, like going up through Willits, there's trees along the road, but beyond the trees is where, where they log. But see, beyond where they've logged, there's still trees. You know? Oh, yeah, absolutely. So there's such a wide bunch of trees out there in every state, really, unless, unless you live in the desert. I mean, it doesn't... It's just impossible to think these things wouldn't exist. Well, you can you can go to Google Maps at any point and look at a, a exploded view of the United States from above, then click on the satellite view where you can see, you know, the actual footage of the ground as opposed to a, a, just a digital map. Mm -hmm. But if you look at the at the at the map with, where you can see, you know, terrain features and everything like that, there are still massive sections of unbroken green yes. across the United States. Yeah. <clears throat> And here in yep. Missouri, the, there's hundreds of thousands of acres of the Mark Twain National Forest, which actually runs into the Ozark National Forest, which leaves a pretty much unbroken green except for roads passing through it all the way down to the big thicket area of Texas. Oh, yeah. And plus, you guys like us have caves, lots of caves. Where exactly. We're in there, too, you know. So I understand. And if you look at the David Polites missing 411 cases, the mm -hmm. biggest bulk of disappearances occur around cave systems. That makes a lot of sense. It certainly does. Sense. Yes, it does. It makes a lot of sense. So what the dogmen, what, what type of reports of, of, uh, are there out there about the dogmen? Well, it's the, that's the strange thing about the dogmen encounters. Uh, you get so many Bigfoot encounters where people, they spotted one, it looked at them, they looked at each other and you know headed in opposite directions. Or occasionally you'll hear one about it throwing rocks or a bluff charge. But the dogman encounters, everybody describes it the same way as mm -hmm. it looking hellish or evil. Um, dogman encounters aren't friendly encounters. You don't hear stories of, you know, you know, once in a while you'll hear a Bigfoot story like, oh, they helped my car when they pushed me out of a ditch. You know, once in a while you'll hear a story of a, of a Bigfoot being helpful. You don't hear that with dogman. Dogmen are predatory. And because I've never really, I mean, like I said, I've looked into them, but I've never really started reading, you know, doing heavy reading on them. 
as, as predatory, what, what types of things do they do when, if you come across one? Well, there, there's the story that came out of LBL. Uh, actually, there's a lot of stories of, of, of uh, mysterious attacks and, and people disappearing in the LBL area. But the most famous one is the one that's attributed to have happened in 1982, where a family of four was, was murdered by a dogman, and the military came in and got and found the creature. Uh, that story has been hushed up, but uh, Jody Cook, the founder of the North American Dogman Project, he actually uh, had the opportunity to speak to two of the officers who were on scene. Uh, so I believe that event is a true event that was covered up. Um, and, and in my time in, in LBL, it was it was it was bizarre. Uh, we uh, we we were there for for you know several days, and mm -hmm. I, I was all over the place day and night. And it's a it's a really creepy area. Um, I caught a glimpse of something in the trees, but that's as close as I got. Um, but you know, I was all over the north end of LBL, and it was extremely weird. Uh, I've got grew up deer hunting and spending a lot of time in the woods, but that's the only place where I've gone and not seen animals. It, the place was almost devoid of, of animal life. And I, I hear that's unusual for that for that part of the country. I've talked to a lot of people that have spent more time in LBL than I have. But my time there, I, 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 I didn't see anything. I didn't see roadkill. I didn't see so much as a, as a squirrel. I mean, it was just, there was nothing I saw at all. See, that's the stuff that makes you wonder, because I know I've been out in the woods where, you know, the birds are chirping away and everything, and then all of a sudden they're not. And then you're standing there thinking, why? Because there's a reason, you know, there's, there's mm -hmm. a reason why they're not there. That's, a, that's a generally, that's a, a good indicator there's a large predator in your area. Yeah. yeah. So you end up standing there looking over your shoulders because you're wondering what's there. What I've been there. I've had that happen to me. <laughs> I believe it. I believe it. It's it's not a good feeling. I know I've had it happen. I agree. I've had it happen a couple of times to me out hiking. And uh, yikes! So, what does the dog man generally look like? It's generally described as having, you know, you know the the primary difference between plantigrade and digitigrade feet. Humans have plantigrade, and dogs. If you look at the hawk of a dog's leg, that's called digitigrade. Uh -huh. Dogmen are usually described as digitigrade, but there are some that are described as plantigrade feet, which is which is rare. Uh, so I think there, there's possibly more than one type. Uh, in fact, uh, most researchers think there are as many as seven types of dogman. Uh, but most encounters tend to describe them as pretty much a werewolf. I mean, it, it's a digitigrade feet, uh, walking on two legs. And looking, having the head of either a, like uh, similar to a Saint, Ber no, I'm sorry, not Saint Bernard, German Shepherd, or or of a wolf, uh, with the the big pointed ears, um, and in some encounters they've 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 uh, described them as walking on all fours, and as they went to stand up, they heard a popping sound, almost like they were they were rearranging the bones in their hands. Wow, 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 wow. I've collected a lot of stories like that, which would also explain why if they found one dead, right. if it's if it's if its hands were 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 able to change like that, it would just look like a big an oversized wolf. That makes a lot of sense. Makes, that makes a lot of sense. Um, do people of uh, the some of the I, like I said, I haven't read the reports, but do people that have livestock and chickens have have uh, you know have more reports than others? There seems to be uh, a lot of people, a lot of people, especially. Um, in the Kentucky, Tennessee, Missouri area, people reporting animals going missing, uh, as well as uh, mysterious, uh, what they always call uh, attacks by wild dogs. And if you if you Google Kentucky wild dog attack, you're going to find dozens of 
you know, reported wild dog attacks mm -hmm. uh, in areas where you, you wouldn't think it would happen. Uh, you know, I know wild wild dogs do exist, but I have encountered wild dogs and, and even coyote crossbreed dogs, but mm -hmm. they're generally not that aggressive if they think you're armed. Mm -hmm. uh, they, they generally stay away from you. But, you know, so many of the uh, attacks by unknown canines like that, um, they, they really get your attention because it makes you think, you know, what could it have been that could overpower a, a, a full grown adult and mm -hmm. and do that much damage? When you look at the reports of dogmen, where, where, where is the bulk of the, the events located? Well, there have been sightings all across the United States. There are sightings in, in Australia, uh, all across Europe, uh, through the Ural Mountains of Russia. Um, the dogmen are sighted pretty much anywhere you saw they, that you've heard of sightings of Bigfoot type creatures. Um, and one of the one of the best uh, video, not video, uh, uh, photographic evidence I've seen uh, was from a guy that re was able to get pictures of one uh, along a river in Australia. Uh, just really great pictures. Um, there's, uh, you know, they're they're seen everywhere. And 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 the weird thing is is the big difference between. Uh, dogman and Bigfoot encounters as dogman encounters are always described as one, they were hunting me or two, it made me feel so, so threatened that I left. Uh, dogman, dogman encounters are never described as, as friendly. The other question I was thinking is, you know, with Sasquatch, you, there's a lot of footprints that people have been able mm -hmm. to take cast of. Is it harder to get cast of these things because they don't know whether it's actually a dog or a, or a, or a animal? A lot of dogman tracks are mistaken as just regular canine or large canine prints. So therefore, a lot of them never get casted. Sure. Uh, but if you uh, if you go to the North American Dogman Project dot uh, com, that's uh, the, the official website of the NADP. Uh, Jody Cook has casted numerous tracks and wow. you can you can tell the difference because generally if uh one, they look look big. He's got one that's over eight inches across. But you'll notice that the 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 heel pad is right. more elongated than is on a, on a normal dog or a wolf because it's standing on two legs. Whoa, that's that's really scary. That would be a big dog, <laughs> a big wolf. <laughs> Well, there was there was one account that I found particularly terrifying was in Tennessee. A guy woke up in the middle of the night and his dog was acting weird. So he went downstairs, turned on the light, and at the dog door in his kitchen, there was one about halfway through the dog door trying to get oh in the God. house. Oh, that yeah, that would be scary. How, how did he get rid of it? I mean, uh, he <laughs> went to open fire on it and it ducked back out and took off. I guarantee you, if that'd been my house, I'd have been taking a board and putting screws into it over that dog oh, door. Heck yeah, I would have fixed that door good, boy. Super glue, whatever I had. That one's done. <laughs> Sorry, dog. You're only going out on a leash from here on out. You're not coming into my house. <laughs> um, yeah, like you say, these reports go, go back for centuries, and even the Native Americans mm -hmm. believed in it. Well, the Choctaw described an actual war over territory between Bigfoot and Dogman. So I think uh, I don't think they get along at all. I don't. I think they they share certain overlapping territories because they share similar similar uh, prey items. Because yes. Bigfoot have been known to to take deer and elk, moose. Uh, so they definitely they definitely supplement their diet by hunting. But I think uh, there are cases where they they end up fighting over resources. And in the case of the David Pilates missing four one one, and if, if you're if you're a follower of the David Pilates right. missing four one one cases, the cases he profiles are not all of the people that have gone gone missing in national parks. He only profiles the ones that are very very specifically unexplainable um, disappearances in areas where they've searched many times. Mm -hmm. um, 
you know, only being a few feet away from the, from the person, uh, other people they were with, um, unexplainable, unexplainable, uh, uh, incidents like dog, uh, search dogs refusing to track the scent. Um, you know, he profiles the cases that are really, really specifically odd. And in those cases, I think a lot of those are predation by either Dogman or Bigfoot. That makes a lot of sense. Too. I was talking with, um, an author last night who, uh, was talking about these different death cults, you know, mm-hmm. and and how some of the people they they'll, they'll just pick up like 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 younger guys in college and all this. And I asked them, I said, well, I mean, because some of them end up in water, which is a lot, mm-hmm. which, which is some of the mo for for, for David Pilates stuff too. Yeah, especially so the asked, ones that disappear in urban areas. Yes, yeah. So I asked him about that. I said, you know, there was the one in in Switzerland that was on camera right up until the point he disappeared. And so he said, yeah, it could be the death cults. But, you know, when you talk about this, stuff, it could be any number of stuff taking these people. Yeah. But like you say, when the dogs react like that and they don't want to go in an area, I mean, it's either it's, you know, to me, it's either paranormal, whatever it is, or it's some kind of other animal that the dogs don't want to mess with. I am. Uh, I've had a similar experience personally. Uh, I was with a, a, one of my cousins who used to uh, hunt coon dogs. And we were running a, running a scent one night and all of a sudden the dogs froze and would not go any farther. And when we tried to, to get them to, to get back on the scent, they ran back to the truck. So we knew something was out there they didn't want to mess with. And right. those, dog, th- those dogs had chased mountain lions before. Oh, yeah. That's you know, they were not afraid of anything. And for <laughs> you know, We were like, well, I don't know what they want. They don't want to chase, but we don't want to find out what it is. So let's it. get the hell out of here. And then when the dogs back out, it's <laughs> over, you know. Um, this is they beat us to the truck. They weren't. They stayed under the truck until we let them in. This is this is really interesting to me. And plus, I can see a rivalry between the dogmen and Bigfoot because I mean, like you say, the you know the thing with the food and everything. I just wonder because since nobody's really done the inv- I mean, you guys have investigated, but you haven't found the same stuff that that you found with with, with the Sasquatch areas. Right. You know, the, the, like the living areas and all that, and all mm-hmm. and the beds and whatnot. So I just wonder if they're living in caves or where, where the heck they're living. I, I would think that both Bigfoot and Dogmen use caves, uh, like in uh, specifically in the areas around Missouri, like the right. uh, uh, Missouri is riddled with caves. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, we, we're always finding finding caves, you know, when, when we're out in the woods. So, you know, it'd be they small ones. Sometimes they're big, they're big entrances. Uh, there's one up in Laclede County called Rattlesnake Cave, which nobody right. really knows how far back it goes because right. nobody really goes that deep in it because of all the snakes. Right. Um, yeah, you know, there's a reason they called it Rattlesnake Cave. <laughs> uh, but then you get over into Kentucky and Tennessee and you run into Mammoth Cave and those caves extend like all the way up into New England. They have no idea how far or how deep those caves go. They've only explored a fraction of them. Well, that's the thing, too, guys. The guys that are in California and go to Calaveras County Cave and everything, you don't realize it because I know I've done the cross country trips. I've gone mm-hmm. uh, the, the, the Jesse James hiding cave, you know, that cave mm-hmm. he did and stuff. You guys don't realize that the caves we have here, even though they probably go for miles, we don't know that. But still, they're, 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 these are like, when you compare to the Kentucky cave, you're looking at a marble and a big tunnel. That's what you're looking at as far as size, because they're so huge. They have boats that can go through these caves and stuff like that. They're yeah. huge. And so we don't have that in California. But we do have a lot of caves, like like Cave Junction up in Oregon. That's an area known for Sasquatch, mm-hmm. because obviously that's that's where he hangs out, the, 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 your ape caves. And stuff yeah. like that, you know. So I that that I can, that I understand. You know, I understand that completely. So yeah, there's no kinds of places that, that like something like the dogman could live. Have people and, and then I was going to ask you because you mentioned the guy that got the photos, mm-hmm. you know, of it. 
have there been other photos of it? Because I, I noticed that, you know, with, with Bigfoot, of course, because people, I don't know if people are looking for it more than the dog man or what, but I mean, people tend to run into Big, Bigfoot more and then get these alleged, I'm going to say alleged because some of them are, okay? Yeah. You know, alleged photos of him. So well, I've seen a lot of photos you can't, you have to take with a grain of salt because right, right. I can't tell you the number of photos I've looked at that somebody sent me that was just a blurry bush with a red circle around it. I'm like, yeah, I don't, I don't, I'm sorry. I don't see anything, but then you get the occasional one where you can see eyes or the shape of a head. And that's the, that's the problem is what most people fail to realize. They're like, well, why aren't there really, really good pictures of Bigfoot or right. why are there really, really good pictures of Dogman? man? Um, well, I challenge you to go out in the woods and stumble upon a mountain lion and get a good picture of it. Right, uh, right. Because one, you're if you're trying to get your phone out, your hand's shaking like crazy. Uh, and that's if you even think of getting your phone out. Uh, I, I was up in Rocky Mountain National Park and rounded a corner and there was there was a bear right in the middle of the trail. And my, the, my first thought was get the hell out of here and not get right. a picture. Right. Uh, it wasn't even until I was half a mile back down the trail. I'm like, huh, I probably should have got a picture of that. But uh you know, you you I'm, you can run into wild animals in the woods all the time, and getting a clear picture of anything is very difficult. In fact, wildlife photographers that get these clear images usually do it with a telephoto lens from a distance because the animal knows you're there. You're not going to get a clear picture with a cell phone. Yeah. All mean, right, try, sure. yeah, try getting a good picture of your dog. <laughs> yeah, good luck with that. And plus, a lot of the time when they see when they see Bigfoot or they see something like the dogman, these things are nocturnal. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, you got your cell phone and, and granted that the cell phones are a lot better now, but even with a, I, I have an 11 and even with an 11 at night, hold still, yeah. you know, hold that thing still. So it focuses in. And if you zoom in at all, you've got to be rock steady. Otherwise your, your image is. You know? So yeah, I, I, I can see that. I can really see that. Let's Some of the best images I've seen were taken on tripods. Uh, when yeah. People were looking for something, something else. Or it's a trail cam. Mm-hmm. You know. well, trail cams are very difficult to get any images on. Uh, mostly if you get an image, it's probably going to be a deer or a squirrel or something like that. Um, I honestly believe that, that uh, and we know that, that deer can see the IR spectrum. I've right. seen deer react to the, to the camera. Uh, they know when, when the camera's on. Uh, and if deer can see that IR spectrum, there's, there's you know, a, an intelligent animal like a primate or, or even a dog man that is very aware of its surroundings is not going to not going to pop in on one of those. And that's why so many cases you hear about these trail cams being moved or ripped off a tree and thrown. They'll find it, you know, 50 yards away from where they hung it up. Um, I don't think we're ever really going to get good trail cam footage until we start using something that is that is low light photography instead of using the IR spectrum right, right. because I think they see it. I agree. That makes a lot of sense. The other footage I saw a while back was what was it? Um, you know how Kel, like Caltrans has those cameras along the freeway, and mm -hmm. I don't know. I don't know if you knew about that footage. Mm -hmm. I've heard about that, man. That footage, which was fascinating, because it was I mean, good footage. Yeah, it was really good footage because, because you know, like you say, the camera is it just stays in one spot and whatever this was was moving around, you know, in front of it. So it was a camera in Yellowstone capture. It was watching Buffalo that captured something as well. well it was pretty interesting. Just look up Yellowstone Bigfoot footage. It okay, was taken okay. from a camera that was mounted like half a mile away that was monitoring the buffalo in the park, and it it caught it caught some pretty good footage. Oh, that's cool. Jennifer, to answer your question about going to Plymouth. Yeah, there's caves up in the area, but you're going to have to call ahead because they're wet caves. So the problem is when it rains, like like we've had some rain, in, you know, in the winter, it's hard. It's sometimes they don't let people in them because they're underwater. Just to let you know. 
a lot of times the the they won't let you in certain caves because of the air quality uh if there's a large bat population you're going to have yeah. methane pockets and that can yeah. be fatal if you go into them uh, and and that's the problem we run into with a, a lot of cave exploration is they can only go so far because the air quality gets bad okay it's good to know good to know you're welcome jennifer yeah, if you are going to go into a cave, don't go alone and make sure somebody yeah. knows that's where you're at. And not just because of anything that might be in the cave, but if you run into trouble and you didn't tell anybody that you were there, like if you get stuck or your flashlights die and you can't find your way out, you want to make sure you take you, you take extra flashlights and let somebody know where you're going to be. That way, if you don't return, they know where to start looking. Yes, absolutely. So let's talk about Bigfoot. Okay. Bigfoot's like the popular guy on campus, you know? The there's, big hairy guy. There's so many sightings. Because like I said in the beginning, I remember going up to Happy Camp and they have stores dedicated to this. You know, little mm -hmm. shops where, where, where you could look at the footprints and stuff. How frequent, because I know years ago, I, I had all the books, you know, because the first time I went to Mount Rainier, I was like, hey, this is Bigfoot country. You know, so I had to buy a book. So I still have the Mount Rainier book. How, have the sightings increased any from what they were years ago? It seems that with the advent of so many places on Facebook where they're, they're Bigfoot groups. Uh, social media has really helped a lot of people bring forward their sighting reports. Uh, I get a lot of like email or, or, or social media contacts from people that say, Hey, I had, I had this happen. I would like to like to talk about it because I get a lot of people that, that want to talk about it on my, my podcast as well. Um, but so, yeah, I, I think social media has helped a lot of people come forward, but I still think we're only seeing a small percentage of people that have had encounters coming forward because most people don't want to be thought crazy. Right. Because right. they saw something like that. But isn't it like, I mean, because people have like, like, like we were talking about the cell phones before and, you know, that it must be like ghost hunting is because, I mean, I get I get like 50, 60 photos a day that people want mm -hmm. to look at thinking they have a ghost. And I'm sure for you guys, for, for the Bigfoot, for the cryptozoologists, the Bigfoot investigators, it's like that people sending stuff all the time. And so, mm -hmm. you, I mean, it's, it's very time consuming to go through that stuff. Well, even if you get an image that is crystal clear, mm -hmm. the problem is, is with the advent of Photoshop technology and video shop, you have to be extremely skeptical of any photographic evidence until you've had a chance to have the image vetted. Uh, I know some guys that are very good at tearing photos down and looking for layers and things like that. Uh, you've got to do a forensic check on the on the on the photo to take it as real, uh, because unfortunately there are a lot of people out there that are hoaxing stuff. Yeah, uh, and as, as as sad as it is to say, there are people that are doing it. They do it for the attention, and all it does is, is it hurts the credibility of people with legitimate sightings or legit, legitimate evidence coming forward. I think the worst thing I have to tell people when I get photos is um, it may look legit, but I'm sorry because we don't know what conditions the photo was taken under or anything mm -hmm. like that. Unless we take the photo, we really can't, you know, say yay or nay to it. Right. You know, it's it, it, you have to you have to be a skeptic until you've exhausted all other options. Um, I think to, to me, I think some of the best evidence of Bigfoot is still. Uh, tracks and hair samples. Uh, mm -hmm. Dr. Jeff Meldrum describing describing the mid-tarsal break and how you would have to have such an advanced knowledge of primate track morphology to be able to fake one of those. Now, you know, you, you can you can look at the ones that somebody made, you know, carved them out of wood and went stomping out through the woods. And you can look at those tracks and go, yeah, that doesn't move the way a foot moves. Mm -hmm. uh, you can you, you can tell how like the toes will dig in on a track as it propels itself forward. Uh, it's it's getting easier 
to spot fake tracks. Uh, you know, back back in the day when I was when I was young, first getting into this, anything that looked like a Bigfoot track was automatically a Bigfoot track because I, you know, we didn't know. Uh, but Meldrum really changed the game when it comes to tracks because he was able to identify markers that you can look for in these tracks. And that's why I love listening to him talk because he always gives such great information and uh, seeing some of these, some of these tracks now, I, I think uh, tracks are always going to be our best evidence until we have a specimen. And now I'm not, I'm not advocating going out and hunting one. Right. Um, now I, when I do go out, I do carry a firearm. Right. Uh, and, and that's not just because, you know, because of cryptid creatures, it's because there's other things in the woods that will try to kill you or eat you. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, mountain lions, bears, you know, there are things out there that can and will hurt you. Uh, so if you're going to go, you know, even if you're just going to go hiking into the woods, be prepared. Take a, take a first aid kit and take something to defend yourself. Be that out loud. Hiking stick, uh, bear spray, a can of pepper spray. Be ready to defend yourself because not everything out there is your buddy. Right, um, right, right. I always, I always make sure I take a, a med kit and uh, I, there's a company called dark angel medical that makes absolutely some of the best med kits on the business. Uh, I carried one for years as a cop and I've, I've trusted my life to them. So I always carry one of their kits. Let's see what I got. Yeah. Pelican will help. Yeah. It'll scare it's it's off. better than nothing. Yeah. It's better than nothing. It'll scare something off. It'll scare something off. Um, along that line, um, I forgot where I was going with it. <laughs> Oh, it got through me off. You know, I just, I just find this so intriguing. I mean, I grew up fishing up in Northern California. You know, we, we were in the woods a lot. And, you know, as a kid, I, I could tell those stories, those early stories left and right. I had them all memorized, you know, about like mm. the guy that got carried up the hill and Bigfoot, you know, and then the Sasquatch was, was heavy breathing going up the hill and kind of coughing. You know, that, that, that's how I, that's how I had it memorized. What are some uh, recent uh, recent reports on, on, on Bigfoot? I mean, it's because, like, like I said, I'm used to the older reports, so I don't keep up with BFRO or anything like that. Well, there was a, a recent sighting here in Missouri uh, down near Roaring River State Park. Uh, it was a daytime daytime sighting. The guy saw it for about 30 seconds as it just casually walked across the highway. Um well, so there are a lot of those, and a lot of the encounters that I get are from from hunters uh, that saw one while they were in a deer stand or while they were out hunting. And in a number of those cases, those guys were never going back in the woods. Guys that were lifelong hunters are just done. Um, I know a guy I was uh, who's a uh, an officer I met during a training conference. Uh, we weren't in the same department, but you know we became pretty good friends. Uh, he told me a story that uh, he was in his deer stand and he dozed off. And he felt something tugging on his lunchbox and he looked down and he was, you know, eight to 10 feet off the ground up in his deer stand. And he said it was standing up almost head level with him tugging on his lunchbox. I said, well, what'd you do? He goes, well, I gave it the lunchbox. He said, <laughs> and then when it left, I got the hell out of there. And he gave up, he quit deer hunting after that. Wow. That's something in itself. I don't know. I'm like, well, that. I don't blame you. I'd have gave him the lunchbox too. That's awesome. I know what I was going to say as far as shooting them. There's some there's some counties in California where it's illegal to shoot one. I uh, I, I think it should be illegal everywhere. I know right now the state of Oklahoma Oklahoma has a three million dollar bounty on one brought in alive, um, mm-hmm. which I think that's just going to end up getting somebody hurt. Um, the, only, the only way to bring in a large animal is with a tranquilizer, and it's an unknown animal, so you don't know how much to tranquilize it. I mean, you have no idea how much how much tranquilizer to put in. I mean, you could start with a baseline of like a mountain gorilla and probably double it, and maybe maybe it would work. But my my biggest fear would be I would trank one and just make it mad. Right. 
or you trank it and you, you're just in the process of loading it into the truck when it wakes up and suddenly it's not very happy with you. Well, what about the report that, that years and years and years ago about those guys that were hunting and they shot at one and they mm -hmm. went up to stay in the cabin and, and supposedly, you know, the, the oh, Sasquatch the came story. back and were throwing boulders at the cabin and stuff. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. I, uh, the best advice I can give, give people is don't shoot one. <laughs> Uh, because you you don't know if you're carrying a weapon big enough to, to finish the job. Yeah. And uh, the last thing you want to do is is anger a thousand pound you know upright primate. Mm -hmm. uh, we know for a fact that chimpanzees are about ten times as strong as humans pound for pound, mm -hmm. and they're half our size. So you you do the math on that, and you take a primate that's eight nine feet tall and weighs a thousand pounds, tearing your arms off is going to be pretty easy. And then, you know what? Even the friendly ones get angry because, I mean, you look at the reports of mm -hmm. that, that TV show that was on, right? You know, about the, about people that have the wild animals and the people that raise chimpanzees and, and, and some of them got turned on. Oh, yeah. You some know, of those really? some of those chimp people that own chimpanzees were horror stories. Yeah. People, they, they bite off their fingers and, and face. Yeah. Uh, they're, uh, chimpanzees are extremely strong and can become very, vi very violent if, if the situation arises. Uh, and they're not even 100 percent sure on what causes it. They right. just suddenly snap one day and start start killing people. Yeah. People don't realize that. Um, I was going to say, uh, oh, yes. The thing with the Sasquatch that, that, that interests me so much is that there's, there's just so many sightings. It's like, it's not like it wants to be found, but I think it's because, you know, over the years, there have been so many people that go into the woods. Mm -hmm. I mean, we've encroached. It's, it's like with the coyotes here. We have coyotes. I'm in an urban area. Mm -hmm. We're about maybe two miles from the river, if that. And the coyotes come into my area. Yeah. To look for cats and look for, and for rodents and stuff. So it's, it's interesting to see how far out the coyotes are going for food. So, I mean... It stems the reason that the Sasquatch, because we're encroaching more and more and more in the woods, everybody wants their solitude. That's mm -hmm. what it is. You know, we're all trying to get away from, from the hustle and bustle. So we're going more and more into their territory. So the sightings are getting more and more. Yeah, well, animal animal sightings are on the rise. Uh, yeah. I know here in Missouri, they reintroduced uh, black bear and mm -hmm. mountain lions have been been. You know, gra drastically increasing their population. I live in Springfield, Missouri, which is the third largest city in Missouri. And by California standards, it's not a very big town. It's about 200,000 people, but it's the third largest city in, in Missouri. And there are people in town that are getting camera footage of black bear and mountain lions in their yards. And that that's a, that's a good sized town. Mm -hmm. And I know people that live in some of the smaller surrounding rural towns that are seeing them all the time. Um, you know, in fact, it wasn't long ago that a black bear was hit just out by Rogersville, Missouri, hit on the highway. Mm -hmm. uh, so these animals are coming in and it leads, it gives you a you know, pretty good credence to believe that they're not the only ones. Right, right, right. Because there's a lot of reports of people that have houses on, uh, you know, out in the woods there and, you know, they'll look out their back window and then the Sasquatch are out along their fence line. Mm -hmm. And then in a lot of cases, you have people that are that are doing what they refer to as gifting. Yes. Uh, they'll leave food out and things like that, which I think is very dangerous, not necessarily just because it's a cryptid, but even if you're feeding a, a bear mm -hmm. and for some reason you don't, you stop feeding it or you're gone for a couple of days, you go on vacation, black bears are known to rip the back door off a house and go in looking for food. Uh, because they got used to being showing up on that deck and they were getting food. And then the day they didn't get it, they went inside after it. Uh -huh. uh, you know, so that's, that's animal behavior. I mean, you can expect that kind of thing. So if you're, if you're gifting a, a, a Bigfoot and like, you know, God forbid you're, you're out of town or you're you wind up in the hospital, what's going to happen to your house? 
I mean, you know, it's something that could smash your door to kindling with 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 relative ease. So I I, I think it's very dangerous to get into the habit of habituating any animal. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you know, I know people that put out bird feeders, and in fact, I've got a friend that stopped putting out bird feeders because there was something large and bipedal coming into her backyard and taking the bird feeders. Wow. So what do you think is one of the most um, colorful and innocent, and, and, and not innocent, but you know, important Bigfoot stories? Do you, do you think it's the one about the guy that got kidnapped? Uh, the Albert Osman story. Yeah. I, I think that's, I think that's a great story. Uh, but the one that, that really, really compels me the most, are you familiar with the Bauman incident? I might be if you start talking about it. It's about the trapper that was killed in Montana. No, I haven't heard that one. Okay. Well, in Teddy Roosevelt's book, The Wilderness Hunter, he Uh wrote, he he recorded a story that he supposedly was told in when he was out in the American West by a trapper named Bauman. Bauman and his partner went up into the mountains of Montana to to run uh, trap lines in a valley that the natives had told him, stay out of that valley. We don't hunt there. We don't go there. Stay out of that valley. And they said, well, you know, if they're never going there, there's got to be tons of beaver. Uh So they went up in this, in this valley to, to uh, trap. And within a couple of days, they were getting harassed by something that was coming into their camp on two legs and eventually killed one of the two of the, of the trappers and Bauman was able to escape. But the thing that, that really, compels me about that story is Teddy Roosevelt recorded that story in great detail. And mm-hmm. I, my family were all primary hillbilly, primarily hillbillies. I grew up in the hills of Missouri. I didn't move to town until I got married. But um, I know people that live out in the deep woods and they don't tell stories like that. They don't, they, you know, they might say something happened, but you, the level of detail that Roosevelt was able to, to deliver leads me to think that, and and I, I have a lot of people that agree with me, lead me leads me to think that it, that was Roosevelt. He was known to be a hunter. Right. I think Roosevelt had a Bigfoot encounter, and he didn't admit it because he had political aspirations. Mm-hmm. Flash forward, Teddy Roosevelt becomes becomes president of the United States. What's one of the first thing he did? Created the national parks right. to keep millions of acres pristine and to to control who got into them. That's that that is interesting. It makes a lot of sense. What about um, I've heard reports too of people that have um, hair samples, mm-hmm. and they 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 they've turned it you know turned them into the authorities, and the authorities um, send it back saying we don't know what this is. Right. There's a lot of cases where it comes back unknown. Mm-hmm. Uh, then then there's some cases where the nuclear DNA is returned as 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 the parent uh, as one parent being human and the other unknown. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the a lot of the hair samples either vanish, mm-hmm. uh, especially, you know, especially if they're sent to the to some uh, to a university or something like that, mm-hmm. or they're basically just told it's inconclusive. But I think so many of those hair samples are legit. I mean, Dr. Melba Ketchum did the did the Bigfoot DNA DNA study, and the scientific community went out of its way to try to destroy her. Um, they were tried to they tried to to destroy her credibility. But the but the her findings are sound. Uh, if you if you read her papers, you know she she recorded a lot of DNA samples and was able to get a lot of good information. And for whatever reason, anytime somebody gets close to being able to reveal something, the government goes after them. Uh, they they'll discredit them. They'll try to get their try to ruin their career. Uh, I I think the government has known about these things for a long time, and they just don't want us to get close to them. That's why I always wonder if it was some kind of hybrid experiment that somebody was trying to do 
Well, the, since the sightings of Bigfoot type creatures goes back to way before, you know, that we had an, had the scientific ability to do that. I think these creatures are an offshoot. Mm -hmm. I think that that somewhere along the line, we're distantly related to them. Um, be that uh, relic populations of Gigantopithecus, as some people have theorized, uh, could be relic populations of Neanderthal. If you read the book Them and Us uh, by Denny Vandramini, he writes a very compelling story. Basically, he re-examined uh, Neanderthals from modern forensic my uh, modern forensic point of view. The early images that we had of Neanderthal. Uh, were done by the by old museums where they tried to make these link look like the missing link. They looked very human. Like if you put one in a suit, he might, you know, be somebody you'd pass on the road and right. just kind of look at him like, okay, that guy kind of look like odd. But they tried to make him look as human as possible. But re-examining the fossil evidence, Denny Vandermini was able to come up with a much more detailed re, uh, uh, depiction of what they might have looked like, and they look very much like a modern Sasquatch. Huh. Okay. Kind of, it kind of makes you laugh when you think of those insurance commercials with those guys. Yeah, <laughs> yeah so easy a caveman can do it. Yeah, the caveman. Um, this is this 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 one thing. You know, every time I go camping, so it's, it's always in the back of my head. You know, I'm thinking about this. Even mm -hmm. in the more populated camping areas, I'm thinking about this. You know, that this thing could be out there. You know, I've known my cousins that have gone camping and and they've gone up with the trailer and they swear to, they swear it wasn't a bear. You know, up in Oregon. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, where something was banging against the side of the trailer and walking around the outside of the trailer. But the ground was so dry, there was no, you know, print done. You know, but, uh, I mean, these things, are the, they're there. There's weird things out there. Oh, yeah, very much so. I mean, you, you cannot look at the literally thousands of reports and eyewitness accounts and just dismiss them all outright. Because uh, a lot of them are, you know, they're not all, not all of them are like the, uh, the old joke about the UFO, UFO people reporting UFOs of being some guy from a trailer park in Arkansas. Yeah. I saw that UFO and it flew over the trailer. They're not all like that. I mean, they're, they're credible report accounts coming in from judges and doctors and law enforcement, both federal and, and local law enforcement. There, there's so many accounts that are coming in from sources that you can't go, Oh, they're just making it up. Uh, and you just, you can't overlook all these reports. You just can't throw them out. And, and when you couple those reports with both footprint evidence and you, and uh, uh, I'm sorry, the uh, hair, hair samples mm -hmm. and even eDNA, when you combine all of that, you just simply can't dismiss it. it there's uh, science says you only need three forms of, pr of proof for mm -hmm. the, for something to be real. Well, we've got eyewitness accounts, we've got footprints, we've got hair. In a few cases, they found they found blood. In the Skookum, ca in Skookum cast, they found an entire print from the side and a hand. Um, then we have so much evidence, but they still, you know, most people are still like, nope, don't believe it exists. What amazes me is too with the contact that people have had. You got these reports, like you say with Teddy Roosevelt, you know, Roosevelt's report. You got the report of the guys up in the cabin, you know. With, with the rocks and all that. Mm -hmm. It amazes me that there aren't more reports of us infringing on them to where there, there, there's like attacks, you know, violent I, attacks. I think there are more than we know. Uh, I know in incidents, uh, incidents that have happened with logging companies have happened, have been very violent. I know uh, areas that were you know, still being logged were completely abandoned by some by logging companies because of the attacks. And I just think most of these get shut up very much like the uh, case in LBL where a family was killed by a dog man. I think these cases get shut up so the public doesn't know. Um, 
and again, you look at the missing 411 cases, and I think there's there is a very strong case to be made, not just predation, but you know, attacks and you know, people being dragged off, murdered, taken into caves. Right. Um, I think there's just too much there for us to say it's not happening. Well, you know, again, going back through the stories over the years, at least you know, the ones that I read, I mean, I was led to believe, I mean, we were led to believe in the original stories that this thing was, was mostly peaceful. You know, you've had the occasional story like the gal that pulled up to her house. You know, she's sitting with the window down and reached through the window and clonked her head, right? Against the steering wheel. But I agree with you in that there's probably a lot more stories that of, of violence and everything that they're not releasing because maybe either they don't want to cause a panic or they are there's just something they're hiding. Or in a lot of the cases, if there were no witnesses and the person didn't survive, who's going to report the attack? Right, right, right. Absolutely, absolutely. What do you find so intriguing about Bigfoot? I think the, the the most intriguing thing about Bigfoot to me is the possibility of us learning more about our own ancestry and our own roots uh, by studying this. And I, I think it can tell us so much about the course of human evolution. Uh, if it's if it's one of our cousins along the along the genetic trail, we could learn a lot by studying it. We could learn a lot about our own early habits and how our how our evolution created what we are today uh and and besides that it's just it's just a very fascinating subject i mean the native americans have talked about these creatures since long before europeans set, set foot on the north american continent i mean you look at back some of the counters like like uh the viking settlement in vinland uh, mm -hmm. if you look at the what's called the leaf leaf erickson encounter they uh they wrote about in running into what the vikings described as large hairy creatures that were attacking them and for the Vikings, who were known as being large and rather hairy uh, for, the, for the day, they would have dwarfed Native Americans uh, back in those times. Back in those days, the average height of most Native Americans would have been about five four or five five. So the Vikings would have dwarfed them. And for the Vi Vikings to say something huge and hairy was attacking them, there's no way it was. It was just it was it was a Native American attack. They were, in fact, they they the Vikings traded with Native Americans, but they referred to the Bigfoot creatures as scralings because they couldn't understand what they were saying. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Now that brings me perfect. That's perfect end to the Sierra sounds. What, how do you feel about those? Well, I've had a, had the opportunity to uh, both interview and chat with Ron Moore, and I believe the Sierra sounds are straight up 100% legit. Uh, they were analyzed by the United States Navy's Crypto Linguistics Department. Mm -hmm. uh, they were able to identify that there were markers in there that it was a language, and the fact that it, the language was consisting of vocal cord uh, vocal activity both above and below what humans are able to produce that leads me to, leads me to with only one possible solution. That is those th that language was being being uh, spoken by something that was completely beyond human vocal range. We could not have duplicated that. It's mm -hmm. impossible for a human to make the noises that they were recording. Well, the other thing I find interesting about it is it sounds Asian. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, they refer to it as the samurai chatter, yeah. uh, which, you know, if they if they came across the land bridge, exactly. as was postulated, they might very well be descendant of 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 uh, the Alma, the Almasti, or the Abominable Snowman, the Yeti. Yeah, I was just thinking that because they, they came over, you know, technically if they came over that land bridge, that was old, they came over from Asia, you know. Mm -hmm. But uh, we're going to have Ron Moorhead on at the end of February, guys. So Ron's a great guest. Because, man, those things, the sounds are creepy, and at the same time, they're really cool when you hear them, you know, because uh, it, there's something to hear, you know. Mm -hmm. um, what do you think, 
I mean, I know what your fascination is with it. Now, the general public, what do you think the fascination is with this thing? You know, I think it's very much along the lines of why people like horror films. Uh, people like to think that, that that there's something creepy out beyond beyond the darkness. Um, and uh, there's also a condition that's called the uncanny valley. If you if you research the uncanny valley, scientists have have checked have have researched with people all across the globe from all walks of life, and all people, no matter where they're from, what continent, what you know, what what uh, ethnic subgroup, everyone has this psychological fear of creatures in the dark that appear almost human. To me, that lends credence to the fact that at some point in our evolutionary history, something that looked a lot like us hunted us in the dark. Okay. And if, the population, do you think there's more of them than, than, than people think there are? If there. if they're using large cave systems, both as places to live and and ways to travel large distances, like uh, for example the Mammoth Cave that run from Tennessee all the way up into New England, right. if they live primarily in these caves and they're nocturnal like we think, I think the potential for them being for there being more of them than we think is very high. Uh, it is possible there are not just thousands of them roaming around North America; there may be hundreds of thousands of them, especially if they if they spend most of their time below ground. Well, that's the thing with all the sightings over the years. I mean, they've always, you know, the older scientist guys or the older guys that were investigating, you know, they always put it together that, well, you know, this has to be the same one that showed up within two miles. You know, this happened within two miles of the other sighting and all this. I mean, I can see them getting around like that, but I don't see them getting around like that. I, I see like, like, like Albert Ostman, he ran, he mm -hmm. ran into the family, you know, yeah. there's, there's groups of them out there. Just like there's groups of us roaming the woods. There's groups of them roaming right. the woods. And well, anytime somebody happen. says that they run into one and they find they there's an encounter three four miles away and it has to be the same one, I think that's naive. I mean, I, I don't I don't think that that that's actually the case. I mean, it'd be like if you're walking around New York City and you run into a guy and then you know four blocks later you run into another guy and go it has to be the same guy. No, no, it's there's there's a lot more people in, in New York City than just two people, yeah. and the the odds of you running into the same creature in the woods is pretty much the same. I mean, you're you're not granted. I'm not saying that there's a whole city of them out there in the woods, but right. the odds of it being the same creature are pretty low. I mean, you know, I've you know, just because you ran into one squirrel in the trees doesn't mean it's the same squirrel that you know, in the next county over. Right. The other thing too that fascinates me is the communication because you know the whole tree banging thing, you know, mm -hmm. and that, that 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 they're able to communicate along long distances with that. I mean, they can't make fire. Well, as, as far as we know, they, they don't make fire. They could make fire, we don't know it because right. you know they're way up in the middle of the sticks. And so, I mean, they're highly intelligent. That, that much is obvious. I mean, if they're mm -hmm. able to communicate, if they're able to come up with some way to communicate with each other, banging on trees or whatever they're doing, and then some of the shelters they build, they're highly intelligent. Oh, very. Definitely problem-solving intelligence, but then again, that's not a, not something that's very difficult to 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 grasp because mm -hmm. both chimps and mountain gorillas are tool tool users. Um, they, they you know, in fact, uh, chimpanzees have been recognized for making war on each other. Uh, you know, one one clan of chimpanzees will attack and drive off another over resources, and sometimes just because they want to. Uh, these are very intelligent. Uh, creatures that they're only just a couple of percentage points away from being human. So you know, the chimpanzees are like 97% yeah. genetically the same as humans. It's those small, that small percentage point that makes all the difference. So if a chimpanzee is 97%, what's to say a Bigfoot's not 98, 99, 99 and a half. Mm -hmm. 
I always found that interesting in biology too. You know, when, when you looked at the uh, DNA and the gene, uh, oh god, <laughs> you look at the, the DNA and the genes between mm-hmm. us and the chimp. Yeah. I always thought that was the most fascinating part of my biology class. Oh yeah, I find that very interesting then you go myself. To the zoo, and you go to the zoo and you're looking at the chimps and you're thinking, dang, you know, they're that close to us. What do you have to say to people that that want to find Bigfoot or want to go out? You know, you know what I mean. These people that decide one day they're just going to hop in their car and take off to the woods. Well, I, I always encourage people to get out into nature anytime they can. Uh, I mean, I, some of my my favorite experiences had nothing to do with cryptid hunting, but they were completely out in the woods. You know, I grew up deer hunting, fishing, doing all the all the all the things a kid could do, a country kid could do in the woods. Uh, and it's just it's just peaceful. It's you know great to go hiking in the woods. You kind of really get a chance to reset your own personal clock and 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 relate and 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 kind of find yourself and find a little bit of peace. But if you're planning on going uh, out specifically to look for cryptids, you want to be careful. Don't go alone. Take a med kit because it's very easy for you to hurt yourself on a trail somewhere. And if you're a mile or two from a trailhead. Mm-hmm. And you you hurt yourself bad enough, you're not coming out of those woods. It, it just simply put, you know, you, you're not going to get back to the trailhead, and you're you're not probably you're probably not going to have cell service out in the deep woods. It's just not going to happen. Um, that's why you should always always hike in, in groups. You know, take at least one other person. Make sure somebody knows where you're going in the woods and when you're supposed to be back. Again, take a med kit. Doesn't necessarily have to be a high-end, you know, trauma kit, but take some sort of some sort of med kit so you can treat an injury, and be prepared to defend yourself. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying you have to go out there, you know, with a with a high-powered rifle looking to shoot something, but you know, be prepared to defend yourself because sometimes you know the the, the dangerous animal out there are other people. Mm-hmm. Uh, not everybody's got your best interest at heart, and if you run into somebody in the woods, it, they might be out there protecting a marijuana grow. Or they might be out there because they decided to find a place out in the woods to make methamphetamine. There are people out in the woods that are out there for for nasty purposes. Uh, If you're going to go out looking for cryptids, be prepared to defend yourself. Have a med kit. Make sure somebody knows where you're going and be observant. Look both, both directions. Look up. And once in a while, look behind you. Because sometimes the, the, the best evidence is watching you from behind. Uh, if somebody wants to get into going out, say with a group, should they get involved with VFRO or are there other other places they can get involved with? There are a lot of groups out there. Um, my best advice when you're when you're looking into a, a group is find one whose philosophy is close to your own. Uh, because there's so much infighting among Bigfoot groups because some believe, some believe in what they refer to as the woo, where they talk about Bigfoot being able to cloak or having alien connections or being able to trans- transport through portals. And some people are just rabidly against that. Me personally, I, I look at, at what I could find evidentially because evidentiary because I'm, I, I spent my adult life in law enforcement. I look for physical evidence, but I don't dismiss other people's accounts no matter what they say. If they say they mind spoke to them or if they saw Bigfoot walk through a portal, I don't dismiss that because we don't know. And first and foremost, there are no experts in this field. Anybody that claims to be an expert is straight up lying or trying to sell you something. There are no experts. Your theories are just as good as any of mine because that's all we've got is theory. So, you know, just make sure you're finding a group that that fits with your 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 style. If you think it, you know, Bigfoot has an alien connection, find a, a group that, that thinks that same way because there's so much backfighting among b- different Bigfoot groups. Uh, and also find one 
find one that uh, not only has their 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 ideas the same as similar as yours, but find a group that you get along well with. Uh, because if you're going to be spending any time in the woods, you want to make sure it's with people that you you enjoy being around. Because you will you will you will really learn a person's personality when you put somebody in an in, in an adverse situation. You get out in the woods and something creepy happens, you don't want to look around and find the people you're with have already left. Right. <laughs> <laughs> the old joke about never sharing a foxhole with somebody braver than yourself. The, con the, the converse of that is, is you know, don't want to go cryptid hunting with somebody that's going to run at the first sign of trouble. Because you are out there looking for evidence. And the last thing you want is to hear trucks leaving when you're having an encounter. Absolutely. DA, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. And I no know problem. So many books. I was I was looking at all your book covers. They're fantastic. And if, thank you. What's your website so people can check out your books and everything? You can find all of my work at daroberts.net, and I have a podcast called Dax Machina. You can find it on YouTube uh, on my YouTube channel, which is Da Roberts Author. Uh, so you can check those out every Wednesday and Saturday night at 9 p.m. Central Time. And uh, we talk about cryptids and UFOs and the paranormal and books and authors and everything in between. Thank you so much for coming on. In fact, after after I shut my mouth tonight, I'm going to go ahead and run your website and some of your books so people can see them. Awesome. Well, thank you very much. I just released a new book. It just came out yesterday. It's yeah. the third third book of the Lakeview Man series. Cool. Uh, the third so far. It's going to be a continuing series. So I just had a new book come out. Uh, that made the 25th book. Uh, wow. It's a, kind of a milestone. So I have 25 books in print. And if you like cryptids and cryptid horror, I think you're going to find something that you like. Fantastic. Thank you so much for coming on. I appreciate it. Be sure to batten down your hatches tonight because you're going to be curious. Now you'll wake up to a nice, nice white world more so when you wake up. But thank you so much for coming on. I'd like to get you on again at some point to talk about this stuff. Sure. You know, I'd love to. Just let me know. Because it's pretty, this was, this, this ah, ooh, there it goes again. This <laughs> was, it gets ahead of me. This was really fun. So thank you so much, sir. I'm happy to have done it. Just, yeah, if you want me back on, just let me know. I'm more than happy to do it. Fantastic. Have a good evening. You too. Be safe. Okay, you too. Bye-bye. Okay, guys, that was fun, and uh, I got a little announcement to make too. I want to get him back on to talk more about cryptids and stuff because I'm fascinated by that stuff, especially after we have the Sierra Sounds on next month because those are, those are going to impress the hell out of everybody. But uh, anytime I can get on and talk about something like Big, Bigfoot, I'm happy because, uh, like I said, as a kid, I used to like delve myself into that stuff, and my family used to laugh because I knew all, all the stories. So they used to make fun of me because I'd be up hiking and I'd be like, you know what, like really close over and well, it's somebody found a footprint or, you know, something like that. And I'd be talking about that. Anyway, I want to thank everybody. I want to thank the for coming in once again. And I want to make an announcement. Tomorrow's show will be at 6.30 p.m. Pacific, but I'm not going to be here. Tomorrow's my birthday. So I'm dropping some hints tonight. Hint, hint, hint. If one of my friends wants to take me to dinner, hint, hint, hint. Anyway, so I'm just saying. But tomorrow's my birthday. It's going to start my birthday weekend. So hopefully... I'll get some cool, some fun stuff in over the weekend. Uh, our guest tomorrow, it's a pre-recorded show, and it's going to be Mitzi Zeredo, and she writes true crime stories. So I'm putting on my journalism hat again, my crime reporter hat. And so she'll be on tomorrow, like I said, at 6.30 p.m. It's a pre-recorded show, so look for the, uh, you know, look, look, look for the tags to get you on YouTube and stuff to watch that. I'll have them on Facebook, and just like I usually do. But that'll be tomorrow's show. I will be back live on, on Thursday. And uh, so I'm looking forward to that. And again, if you guys want to learn about protecting yourselves 
and all that good stuff. Uh, join me um, February 12th at 2 p.m. on Zoom, and I'm going to be teaching that. And show the website at CaliforniaHauntsRadio.com to find out how you can do that and all that good stuff. Again, and uh, here we go. If you like the show, share it with five people. If you hated the show, share it with five of your enemies. We are equal opportunity here at California Haunts Radio. And we also need subscribers to YouTube. So if you're watching from YouTube, look down in the right-hand corner. And you will see that little ghost that has the magnifying glass and the Sherlock Holmes hat. Click on that. That'll make you a subscriber. The reason why I think people have trouble finding our YouTube site is they try to do it with California Haunts Radio. The YouTube site was is originally for California for the California Haunts Paranormal Investigation Team. So it's California Haunts. So if you want to get there, you can Google California Haunts on YouTube, and then all the stuff will come up. Otherwise, you can go to the website at CaliforniaHauntsRadio.com, and you can get there that way by clicking on the video or going up to our archives because that's there for the last year and a half. And like I said earlier today, uh, we're adding in all the archives from Blog Talk Radio too, and I've got about two years worth in now, so you can see all those as well. Anyway, I want to thank you guys for coming tonight. And again, I will see you live on on, on West. Thursday. I'm way ahead of myself. But do check out Mitzi Zaredo. We had a really good conversation, and I, I think you're going to like the show. So again, I want to um, have a good evening, and I will see you on Thursday. And here's the stuff for DA Roberts information. There you go. His website is daroberts.net. All one word, except for the .net, of course. And one of his books is The Nightmare Hunter, Uncanny Valley. And I've got a couple of his book series on here as well. I'm just going to let those flash across. Lakeview Man, another Bigfoot-based book. And one of his other series, uh, series Wolf... Wolf Moon, Blood Moon, and I forget what the other moon is, but it's there. <laughs> and you can get those books at Amazon.com or at his website at daroberts.net. And again, I want to thank you guys for coming tonight, and I will see you live on Thursday. Uh, if I'm not doing anything tomorrow night, I might be on the chat. We'll see how that works, but I think I dropped enough subtle hints to my friends that are listening in that uh, it is my birthday tomorrow, so hint, 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 hint. Okay, anyway, I'm going to shut up now, and I will see you guys live on Thursday.